All righty. Brother Mark, on uh, Sunday, got into uh, the feast a little bit, and I told him, I said, Brother Mark, uh, you didn't know this, but that was something I was considering starting on in the uh, next little bit, but I didn't know when. And uh, today, as, uh, as I was gathering my heart up before the Lord, that was just before me, and, and tonight will serve primarily as an introduction. So uh, we will be in an introduction, Lord willing, of the feast. We'll see how long this goes. This may go for a long, long time, and it may not. We'll just see. But in Exodus 3, verse 7, Exodus 3, verse 7, and this is a very familiar scripture for me. And if you've been around me, I've probably uh, spoken out of it uh, a lot through the years. It's really spoken a lot into my heart in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may look at it and say, well, how does that speak to you in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I see him in these very words. That's how. It says in Exodus 3, 7, And Jehovah said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I am come down. And what I hear here in this, they couldn't deliver themselves. There was nothing that the Israelites could have ever done to have delivered themselves. He had to come down. Moses couldn't have delivered them as great of a prophet and leader as Moses become. It was right here. I have heard and I have come down. And, and like I said, when I read this, I just see the Lord Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of this in the Lord Jesus Christ over the book of Philippians. He being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and came in the form of man, come down to deliver them out and up. So he said, I've come down, verse 8, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up. So he wasn't just coming down. He come down to bring them up. Look at this. To bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large. So they're, so they're coming out of one land and up into a good land and a large, into a land flowing with milk and honey. And the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, and the Hivite, Jebusite. Now behold the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. Now go down to verse 13. Verse 13 of this same chapter says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. 
And God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, have sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob have appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I, will, I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of, the, of Egypt unto a land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, have met with us. And now let us go pray. We pray thee. Here we go. Three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Jehovah our God. So here we go, really with the introduction of the feast, a three-day journey into the wilderness. Now, Exodus 5. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said unto Pharaoh, Thus saith Jehovah, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Now, here's how the Lord works in my heart. I, I read this, and this is what stands out here. Feast unto me in the wilderness. So, so as I'm reading the word of God, many times there will just be this emphasis that will come into my heart by the Spirit of God. And as I begin to look at these things, the Spirit of God will allow me to see them clearly. But this is where, where he's kind of gathering my thoughts. And over the next few lessons, hopefully we'll, we'll see some of these things clearly. But three days into the wilderness, a feast unto me, and it's in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is Jehovah that I should hear his voice to let Israel go? Anyway, we'll stop right here for a moment. The wilderness, Isaiah says in Isaiah 35, becomes a streams of water. Okay? So, so I believe the wilderness, this is my thought anyway. While they were going into a literal wilderness, that literal wilderness was speaking also of them. This was their condition. This was the condition of the children of Israel in relationship to the Lord their God. 
And so how he was going to work to build the relationship with him was three feasts. Three times in a year, Israel was going to appear before the Lord. And that was every year. They're going to come and they're going to appear before the Lord. And it's going to be this repetitive cycle. As long as they live, here they come. And these feasts are unto him. And as I've, I've been in the study in the last a few months of the I am's of Jesus and it's out on Facebook. And as I was in that study, I am the door. And that's where I've been for the last four weeks. Something really significant in, ex in Exodus 12 jumped out of my heart. And what it is, is uh, if you flip to Exodus 12, we're going to read uh, several verses, but I'm going to read a verse and then we'll back up to the beginning. But in verse 11, it says, And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is Jehovah's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. The whole reality of Passover is the Lord did something. Okay? So if God hadn't have done something, Passover would have had no real meaning to the Israelites. So God actually did a work, and Passover was a feast unto the work of God, and that work is what he described there when I started in the beginning. I have come down to bring them out of Egypt unto the land of Canaan, so this is God's work that he's done, and Israel is going to have a feast unto the work of the Lord. That's what they're going to do. So they're having a feast unto the Lord, unto what the Lord has done. They're not just having a feast because God said to have a feast, but God himself performs a mighty work, and that feast is unto that work. So when we come to Jesus saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. That is unto the work he's done. That is unto the work he is. That's what he's completed. So, so three days we will appear, the Israelites will appear before the Lord three times a year, three days, a three-day journey. What, what is he talking about? What are these feasts talking about? They're talking about death, burial, and resurrection. 
They're talking about a three-day journey unto the Lord. That's what they're talking about. That's what they're, that's what God is saying to Israel in three days. So three days, you know, when you get into the three days of the feast or even the three-day journey, just a question, did Israel just go three days in the wilderness? No, they were years in the wilderness. But God said he's going to take them three days. Have you ever considered how long it took them to go three days? In, in natural time, it took them a long time to travel a three-day journey. So, but here, just to catch that up, this was the mind of the Lord, a three-day journey. And the truth of it is this three-day journey is in our whole Christian walk. We're always in this three-day journey of the Lord. It's all comprised in the day of the Lord. But here in Exodus, I, I love this, uh, Exodus 12, 1, and Jehovah spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Now think on this. Some of these Israelites were probably 80 years old. And here it's being declared to them, this is the beginning of months. This is a new day. So this Passover is representing a new day, a beginning of Israel, a day like they've never had before. So as you mark notes here, look at this new day. It shall be a first month of the year for you. So it's you, you know, typifying what we have in Christ in new birth. It's a new day, something they've never experienced before. And he says, speaking to the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, you shall take to them every man a lamb, according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household be too Little for a lamb, then shall he and his neighbor next unto his house take one according to the number of souls. According to every man's eating, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male, a year old, you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at evening. So the whole assembly is going to kill a lamb. Now, we know they had individual lambs, but this is speaking of one lamb and that this, and then they're going to kill it. And what are they going to do? They're going to take the blood, put it on the side posts of the lentil upon the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they're going to enter into the door, which if you've heard me teach it on the door, they're going to enter into that door with the blood on it. That's the beginning of days for them. The door with the blood. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and leavened bread with bitter herbs. They shall eat it, eat not of it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roast with fire. 
its head and its legs and inwards thereof, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, but that which remaineth until the morning you shall burn with fire, and thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is Jehovah's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt in that night, and I will smite the firstborn. And now here's the next thing I marked. The firstborn. He's going to smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And see, when the death came upon the Egyptians here, the blood of the firstborn was upon the houses of the Israelites. So that lamb represented the firstborn. Okay? So when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So, so there was never an occasion here where, where there wasn't a requirement of death. See, see, this is the this is what's in Christianity. Jesus died, so I didn't have to die. That's what people think. But this whole picture says a different story. The Israelites slayed a lamb and they entered into the death of the lamb. And they ate the flesh of that lamb. So they're partaking of the death of the lamb, the firstborn. Hallelujah to the lamb of God. And then he goes down and he says, and he will execute judgments against the gods of Egypt, for he is Jehovah, and the blood shall be for a token. So the blood's for a token upon the houses where you are. And I, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and there shall be no plague be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So, so Passover has to do with God's work, period. So, so it's God's work that they're holding a feast to. And this work is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. All three days' journey is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ because he is where the death of the firstborn really takes place. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He that knew no sin, the unleavened bread, became sin, became a sin offering for us who were full of sin. And we eat that bread, that feast of unleavened bread is eating him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So we enter into this covenant, we enter into this death of Christ, 
and we eat his flesh and we drink his blood until the light of the new day comes. And just like Israel, we go out in the light of the new day. Hallelujah. See, Israel never left the house till the new day came. They entered into that house. And I saw a picture a long time ago, that house, I, I can just see it in my heart, was like a tomb. Because they had taken the lamb they had slain and they put it in there. What do you do in a tomb? You take that that's dead and put it in there. Except here they enter in with that lamb. <laughs> Signifying they've, they've taken the blood, the death upon him, and now they're in his burial. And they're coming out in the light of his new day. So they're not coming out. So that day's a beginning of days to them because nothing of Egypt is going to remain. And that's what we don't hear a lot of times. Nothing of the old man remains. All things have passed away and all things are new. So we have the old passed away and all things are new, but how does that become real in me? I can read that scripture. And I can read it and even say, okay, I believe that. But how does what I read become real? Jesus tells us how. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So, so how this becomes real is we keep the feast. Now, I'm not talking about we, we're partaking of the feast of Israel, but Jesus is the fulfillment of the feast. So we keep what he fulfilled, just like we get over into Pentecost and we read now the day of Pentecost had fully come. So, so here, this Passover lamb is offered to the Israelite to bring them out of Egypt and to bring them to the land of Canaan. So they're coming out through this lamb. They can't come out any other way. I have come down. There's no way out unless he comes down. And so Philippians has to become real to us. He that was in the form of God made himself in the likeness of man. He came down. He came down. Made in fashion as a man to die the death of the cross. To bring us out of everything that was in the man. And that's why we have to eat his flesh. We have to partake of his death because there we're freed from everything that was in the man and we find our life in him. So everything that was in that old man, in that Egypt that we were in, in the bondages of Adam, in the bondages of sin, even in the bondages of the law, you could probably wrap it all up there. Jesus' death deals with it all. 
and frees us, whom the Son has made free, is free indeed. He that is dead is freed from sin. Romans 7. We read these scriptures often. Romans 7. We are dead to the law. To be married to another. And Jimmy was talking right before we started, about the leaves, the fruit of the tree for the healing of the nations. So we're dead to the law that the fruit of God may come out of us. Because what the law did in us was it produced in us because we didn't have the ability to do any better, even though we agreed with the law that it was holy. Paul said the law produced in him all manner of what? Sin. He didn't use the word sin, but he said it produced in him that, that he would see the law was good and he would agree with the law, but he didn't find the power in himself to do what the law said. But we have been freed from the law to be married. And this is what God said in Exodus. I have come down to bring you to myself. You know, he says to a land flowing with milk and honey. But in another place in Exodus, he says to himself. I'm taking you as a people to myself. And it's in this three-day journey that we become a people unto the Lord. <laughs> so it's a three-day journey that we become his. Glory to the Lamb of God. And as we're married to him, we bring forth fruit unto him. Not fruit unto death, but fruit unto life. Fruit unto God. And it's here that we're after. And when you get into these feasts, you're going to come to the fruit, to the hearts. Can't help it. Once you start studying the fruit feast, you're going to find out that Pentecost is going to deal with fruit. You're going to find out that tabernacles is going to deal with ingathering, with the harvest, the fullness. So you're going to find out that in this three-day journey, you're coming to fruit unto the Lord, unto the full measure of the stature of the Son of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's what you're going to find out is contained in these feasts. And that Jesus represents and fulfills them all. So when you start reading firstborn, you go all through the Old Testament, and you can read of the firstborn, and you should. This, this is why the Lord will bring these things into your heart with such a significance so that we look at them. And then when we look at them, it's that we see Christ in them and that the reality of Christ appears as the firstborn from the dead. 
Glory to God. None other was the firstborn from the dead. Now, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Why did he raise Lazarus from the dead, but Jesus is the firstborn from the dead? There were others that were raised from the dead, right? If you read your Bible, there were other people raised back to life. But they weren't raised out from the dead or raised from the dead. Because the dead had to do with a man. And that's why Passover had to come. The Lord had to offer the lamb. Behold the lamb of God. Behold the Passover lamb that takes away the sin of the world. That takes away, you could maybe say, the missing of the mark of the world. Jesus takes it away in himself. He doesn't just forgive our sins, which he does. He removes them. He remits them. He cleanses them. I think it was Brother Jimmy the other night was talking of how they were covered for a year. We're not covered for a year. We are cleansed. It's been removed because Jesus did it. So our Passover lamb fulfilled what Passover declared, which brought a people out of Egypt unto God. See, they come out in the new day. which to me is speaking of resurrection life, they didn't just, they couldn't come out at night. <laughs> you, you, you look at this word here, and you see that how, how perfect God's word is, that, that the way he dealt with them in Egypt, they couldn't come out at nighttime. They had to go enter in there and eat the lamb looking for the light of the new day, for the breaking of the day, looking for the appearing of the Lord. That's the light of the new day, the appearing of the Lord. Looking for that light to appear that they could come out in newness of life. And if you if if we see anything tonight, see that they they when they left that door, and we're on their way to Canaan. And I've, I've said this a lot about Jesus saying they should go in and out and find pasture, how they enter that door and they come out in the newness of life. In type and shadow, I don't think there's a better picture than this of the Israelites. I mean, there's many pictures in the Bible of newness of life, but here the Israelites are leaving Egypt. And everything that was in Egypt is no more. It's over. So it's a beginning of days to them. Now we see this picture again when we come up to Joshua and they cross over into Canaan land. And, and it's said, by I believe by Joshua, they have never, we have never been this way before. 
It's again a picture of new life, a new day, a new heaven, a new earth in which God, and we dealt with this for a long time, is the supply, in which God is the provision. And this is what's going on in this journey as they come out of Egypt. Who are they? Who are they dealing with? They're knowing the Lord. The Lord is in their midst. He's right among them, a cloud and a fire leading them into the fullness of life, leading them into the ingathering, the feast of tabernacles. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, if you really want to read on these feasts, I've got just a few more scriptures and I'll open it up. In Leviticus, and I'm not going to read this, but in Leviticus 23, Moses lays out the feasts of the Lord. Leviticus 23. We may, we'll see where this goes next week. Exodus 23. He, he says, three times thou shalt keep a feast, verse 14, unto me in the year, the feast of unleavened bread shall you keep. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib, for in it thou camest out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruit of thy labors, which thou sowest in the field, that's Pentecost, the harvest. And the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when thou gatherest in thy labors out of thy field. When you've gathered them up three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord Jehovah. Three times. So three times. And I believe when you study this out in Leviticus, you'll see that there's seven feasts in the three feasts. And they're all significant to the Lord Jesus. If they weren't significant, Apostle Paul and the writers of the New Covenant wouldn't have talked about them. Would have just, you know, left them alone. But they didn't leave them alone. See, see, sometimes we don't see this. And I believe if we study real hard, we may find Jesus himself may have even spoken to, to them when he walked in the earth during these feasts. <laughs> I believe we can find that out, that he speaks to his disciples and to the Israelites. That last day, that great day of the feast, right? So, so here Jesus himself is speaking in regards to the feast, and those feasts are speaking of him. And then when you come to where they meet the Lord, where do they meet the Lord at? They meet the Lord at the temple, at the tabernacle, at the tabernacle first, and then at the temple. They don't just come to meet him anywhere. They come to the temple. Hallelujah. You'll find Jesus... Joseph and Mary went to Passover. You'll find that, I believe, written in your Bible because they were still keeping the feast of the Lord and they were bringing the one that was the fulfillment with them. And he's the fulfillment of all three 
fish and were involved in him with all three feasts, all three days. I'll say this and I'll try to get out of the way. A brother said something to me one time about atonement, that the atonement hasn't happened yet. Because when you get into the timelines that people want to project out here, and you start studying the scripture in the timelines, <laughs> atonement is linked with the Feast of Tabernacles. And where people have trouble with it is if, if the Feast of Tabernacles isn't present, then how can there be an atonement? So in a lot of people's minds, that's another day because it's linked to the Feast of Tabernacles. And I think when we, when we begin to see this, that all of these are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And if we see them all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, we're not waiting on days. We're looking to him. We're looking to him to understand and see and grow in all, in all these areas or all these days, the way, the truth, and the life, three compartments of the tabernacle, three compartments of the temple, three compartments of Noah's ark. Here it is in the person of Jesus Christ. You will come and appear before me because they're fulfilled in him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. They're not fulfilled anywhere else. So when I try to find their fulfillment somewhere else, I just won't understand it. Anyway, like I said, this is for an introduction. So I'm going to stop right here and just open it up so we can have a chat. And I'll start with you, Brother Dale.